Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential, live a life of passion, go after your dreams? Each week, we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Sindra Kampoff, certified mental performance consultant, coach, and keynote speaker. And if you know that mindset is essential to your success, then you are in the right place. Because every week we interview experts related to mindset and how it applies to your business, to your sport, and your everyday life. And then we explore pretty much every topic that you can think about related to mindset on this podcast. And today's episode, I interview Grant Parr for episode 294. Now, Grant Parr is a mental sport performance consultant who focuses on high impact and combat sports. His consulting practice uses mental performance techniques and strategies to help athletes and coaches gain a competitive edge in their sport performance. And he consults with a wide variety of athletes and sport disciplines, including fencing, football, wrestling, martial arts, and many more. As you'll hear in this podcast, Grant's career in sports began at the age of seven, and his fascination with full contact and combat sports led him down an exciting and inspiring career in various sports, including baseball, basketball, soccer, and football. His football career as quarterback spanned 13 years in high school and college, earning him various awards and accolades, and he played college football for Sonoma State University. So he received a bachelor's degree in communications and media studies. After graduation, as you hear in this podcast, Grant spent 17 years in sales in the technology space in the Bay Area before he decided to pursue a career in sports psychology after earning a master's degree in sports psychology from JFK University. So Grant's enthusiasm for sport performance and mental performance is not only fueled by his passion as an athlete, coach, and consultant, but how mental performance translates into life skills. So let's bring on Grant. Well, welcome to the High Performance Mindset, Grant Parr. Thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you over there in San Francisco? I'm doing great. I'm feeling really good. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you about your book, The Next One Up Mindset. Uh, so before we kind of dive into that, tell us a little bit about your passion, Grant, and uh, how you got to where you are today. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's been an awesome journey the last, uh, probably the last three or four years, maybe five years, but uh, my passion is, is mental performance. Uh, I've found my passion later in life, but um, I, I'm loving and thriving and working with athletes, teams, and coaches, and even executives, so I'm, I'm loving that. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes. But, you know, sure. the, what, how I got here was because of a career-ending injury that I had in college okay. uh, to my hip. So after two decades of really dealing with that injury, having two hip replacements to, that, to the same hip, uh, I got to a point in my life where I really needed to to get back to who I was, and mm. and it was igniting that that warrior spirit, that competitor, and uh, and so I did that, and then found myself listening to a Desmond Howard actually on a ESPN show talking about a sports psychologist. Oh wow! And so it was that moment in that night where I did tons of research, and uh, within two months I was actually enrolled at JFK University and started my new life uh, in my grad program in sports psychology. So. That's, wow. that's where it, that's where it was born. That's where it was Desmond Howard. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you, Desmond. Um, so tell us a little bit about 
uh, your journey to that, you know, in that transition, because as I read in your book, you know, you're really successful within business and how do you just decide, all right, I'm, I'm done with that. And, uh, you know, now I'm going to pursue this degree in sports psychology, you know, become a full-time student, probably not make as much money. Right. So how do you make that transition there? So it was interesting because, after my second surgery, uh, I mean, I went, I mean, I was handicapped for about four years after the first surgery. Mm. So life was pretty tough. I mean, it was tough for about 15 years or so. And then, you know, the last four of that was really, really tough. So when I got back to like, you know, quote unquote, my normal self, I had my body back. I, I had my mind back, my spirit. It was at that moment where I was just like, you know, I need to do something that's uh, that I, I'm going to connect with. And so what was really interesting with with my professional life in the workplace, I was making the most money I've ever made in my life. Mm. And I did not like what I was doing. Now, I loved the company. I loved my the people I worked with and my boss and everything like management was awesome. But just what I was doing, it just didn't didn't connect with me. So to answer your question, it was uh, literally everything the moment that I actually went back to school and I started getting into my grad program, I visualized everything. I mean, to a T, the way everything was, because I couldn't tell people at work that I was going back to school. Okay. And so I, I had to kind of live like two lives. And not only was I going to school full time, I was work full time. I was coaching football and I had all these internships. Wow. So my life was pretty crazy. And and so I kind of, again, lived two lives, but it was uh, everything, the way that I actually exited out of uh, my, my career, the conversations that I had, I visualized all of it and it worked it, like it all happened. And so, so the experience was stressful at times, but um, I saw it out and, and here I am. There we go. And yeah. now that you're in the profession full time, you know, how would you describe the importance of mindset to performance in general? I mean, it's, it's everything. And I think uh, when we have a mindset, it's, it all starts with our breath. And I push that when we think about mindset, it's intention. I always say intention equals mindset. And so when we can get into our breath and we can get into here now where our feet are, uh, you know, and set our intention, we will have that mindset. But I, to answer your question, it's, it's, it's very important. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, Grant, one thing that I always ask people at the beginning of the podcast is to tell us about a time you failed or struggled and what you learned from it. And the reason I asked that right at the beginning is to kind of show we're all human, right? But to normalize right. failure and struggles as just, you know, part of life, but also like I know you talk about in your book, the importance of like overcoming that is really essential. So tell us about a time you failed or you struggled. Yeah, man. Which, <laughs> where do I start? Right. Which, yeah. You know, adversity, I, I honestly, adversity is, is awesome. And I think if you can actually look at, you know, your crisis or whatever that is, um, there is an opportunity. You just got to look at it differently and put on a different lens. But I, I will bring up a, a story or an experience that was in my book at the very beginning. And it was my very first college game. And my whole life, I was the man, I was always the starting quarterback. And Going into a very high-powered uh, program, we were playing, uh, you know, I think the number two or number three team in the state, and it was the first time that I wasn't the starting quarterback, and so that, but I was okay with that because I, I felt like I was ready, like whatever my number was going to be called, I was going to be ready, and um, so that that game we were actually losing uh, fourteen to zero at halftime, and I got brought in, and when they brought me in, the offensive coordinator said. 
hey, we're going to put you in, but you have a short leash. Okay. You know, and some people would look at that and go like, well, a short leash. Like they, they think it'd be negative. I was like, cool, let's go. You're giving me an opportunity. So uh, I did very well. Uh, we ended up beating them. We were beating them in the fourth quarter. It's 21 to 14. I was just, I was thriving. I was like living the moment. And that moment that I actually failed was the moment that I actually got out of my breath because the moment got too big for me. And so, you know, it was third down and eight. All we needed to do was get a first down and we would have just run out the clock and won. And, and instead, you know, the coach calls me a different, two different plays and uh, the person that was supposed to be in the huddle wasn't. So that person was on the bench with his helmet off and we're trying to get that person in. And by that time, there's about 12, 10 seconds left that I need to make the call. Okay. So as I'm running back to the huddle, coach calls me back to the sideline to change the play. So when I get back into the huddle, I'm running, I'm running, I'm sprinting. I look at everybody in the huddle and I just look at them and everyone's looking at me. They're called a play. And I'm like, I, I was so, I, I, I froze. I couldn't remember the play. Okay. So everyone's telling me to call the play and I could see the play in my mind, 32 power. And I just couldn't say it. I was just, I was, I was out of breath. I was tense. I was tight. And then out of nowhere, someone said, I was like the two play, the two play. And everyone's looking at me like, what is this? This freshman is losing it. And someone called it 32 power. And so I did. And I, or, so they, they called it and I broke the huddle. I ran up to the, the line and what I didn't do. And I do this every time is I check my backfield. I check okay. it. Everybody's in their formation. I didn't do that. So I ended up getting the ball, snapped it, and I turned around and nobody was there to hand the ball off because they were in the wrong formation. And I got sacked for a loss of 15. We ended up punting. And uh, the first play they got it, you know, there was, I don't know, two minutes left. They ended up throwing a 51-yard touchdown. They went for two. Now they're beaten by one. Oh, Yeah. So yeah. not only was that moment, like – that's where I didn't have the mental game. And I, mm-hmm. as much as I did really, really well, it was, you know, I, I felt like that I, I caused a loss. And it was even more of that. And again, I'm not trying to uh, call out my offensive coordinator, but mm-hmm. again, he, he was fine with me. He just didn't like the way I played the game of football. Sure. And so he didn't really trust me. And he got um, pretty physical with me after the game. Mm-hmm. So not only did I have to you know, deal with the loss of losing as an athlete, then I have someone actually getting pretty physical verbally and, f- and physical with me after the game, which was really tough. And that would waver somebody's confidence, but it didn't. I came back. I, you know, after two games after that, I became the starting quarterback. But, but it was that moment. I still I love that moment. In the moment, I hated it, but I love it that I went through it. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's a powerful moment. I appreciate the way you describe that um, to us. And so, right in the moment we hate it, but now you look at it and you realize that there's something that you really learned you know, or how you grew. So um, I think when we're going through adversity, you can feel that way where it's like in the moment, man, it's really hard to embrace. It's hard to find the opportunity and the difficulty or however you want to say it. You know. So what advice would you give to people who maybe you're struggling with something right now, you know, how do you see that the opportunity in it? Well, I will, you know, I'll say this a lot on your show. I mean, if you're struggling with something, get into your breath, get that relationship with your breath. Right. And, and I, and I can go deeper on how we can do that, but, but get into your breath and, um, and be vulnerable. Like I understand things are scary, 
But the only thing here we're going to be, if we're vulnerable, we're being courageous and then we're being brave. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quoting Brene Brown on that yeah. one, but, but, it's, but it's true. I mean, so if I know things are scary, you got to trust yourself. And I know there's a lot of fear, but you know, that's a whole different conversation when we talk about fear. But uh, just show up, trust yourself, and, and get into your breath, get, in, get into now. If you want greatness, greatness only exists in, in the present. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I know you talk about like bending the power of the breath. Tell us about what you mean by bending. Yeah. Mm. More often than not, I think when we get into very stressful situations, whether if it's in the workplace or in an athletic environment, we end up, uh, we can break. That it could, the pressure can be too big. And a lot of times when that happens, we, we lose our breath. And so it is a concept that I got from Bruce Lee um, when I was actually in my grad program and I started reading a lot about uh, Bruce Lee and he talks about bending and using your breath to do that. So whenever we see adversity, whenever we see a tough situation, bend with that. Don't let it break you. You have all the power in the world to bend with it. So, so I just teach a lot of people how to bend with situations and how they can actually access the breath in the moment. And do you mean bend being like flexible or kind of maybe give us a little bit more uh, insight into what that actually means? Maybe an example. Yeah. Well, I don't know if everyone remembers the matrix, but when you think about Neo, when he's, he's bending, when there's a bullet actually being shot at him and the bullet to me is kind of like adversity. It's coming at you. Obviously in the movie, if he gets hit by the bullet, he's going to die, but he bends with his body. Right. And so, it just, it's just kind of a, an image to me is that anytime that when you, something is going to break you, get, you're going to get pissed off or you're going to lash out or you're going to break down the bending piece is just to breathe and be there, you know, be there in that moment by breathing through it, even if it's really uncomfortable. Um, and sometimes and I'm splitting hairs when I say this, but you know, we hear this, uh, we hear this phrase a lot, take a step back, you know, take a step back, we're going to regroup. Well, okay, take, take one step back. Is it any different? It's not. It's like stay where you are and bend with it, breathe in it. So I think emotionally is, what, is really what it is, is to emotionally bend with the situation with your breath. Okay, love that. So Grant, I know in your book, The Next One Up Mindset, you talk about that it includes uh, five attributes. So prepared, poised, confident, focused, and intentional. So tell us a bit about uh, what the next one up mindset really is and, and why you chose those five to kind of include that. So for me, I've been fascinated by the next one up mindset um, as an athlete, as a coach, as a mental performance coach. I just love when I see people that are doing the right things outside of the game, outside of practice, even when they're not the starter. You know, and even when there are the starter and they've lost that position, like we see Drew Bledsoe, I mean, he was the man and then he wasn't the man and he was the man and he was back and forth, but he was doing the right things to keep him ready for that moment. So, um, and I've seen a lot of examples in the workplace as well. So I, you know, when it comes to the next one up mindset, it's about getting prepared for when your number is called, you know, whether for your first string, second string, third string, or you're in a leadership role, it's just being ready for that moment. Um, you know, and when you think about those five attributes, being prepared, poised, confidence, and focused, and, and being intentional, you know, what those derive from was actually when I played football, I used to write on my wrist. Mm. I used to tape my wrist, and I used to write PCF. Okay. And it was my mantra. But poised, confidence, and focus, I mean, that was like, for me, 
like I had to live by that if I was going to be a quarterback. And so there was moments when I wasn't the man, I really needed to really lean into that and, and fall back on that PCF mindset. So it kind of derived from that perspective. I think the next one up mindset is tough because when you're actually not the starter, right? When you're the next person up, man or woman, like it can be really difficult to sustain your motivation and keep you excited. You know, um, there's a lot of pro athletes I work with that it's tough when they're not starting and maybe they were starting and they're not. And then there's some pressure from their parents or contract issues, you know? So what do you find are like the, you know, one or two mental skills that really help people kind of be ready for the moment when, when their, uh, when their name is called, but be patient. Yeah. You know, I think, especially like when you think about the second string, uh, you know, the first string in any team sports, it's, it's vital to have a first string. Right. But I think it's the most important and the the hardest position on a team is when you're second string and third string, Mm -hmm. because you don't get a lot of reps physical reps. And then when your number is called, it's usually you you have to like, you have to get into the speed and the rhythm of the game or the season. That's tough to do, especially when you don't have a lot of reps. So I I think the two things that come up for me to get prepared for that moment, to get prepared for the next one up, you have to visualize. We have to, the the more reps we get in, the more reps we get in, it's just, you know, it, it becomes realization, right? Repetition equals realization. So I feel like we do a lot of uh, mental reps, visualization, and talk, self-talk. I mean, if you really want to keep motivated and you, and there's so many other things I talk about in the book and so many things that I do with athletes to, to keep that motivation um, at, at a good level. But I think if we can have a good dialogue and we have good uh, inner dialogue with ourselves and we're visualizing, those two things will, will get us ready. Yeah. And I know in your book, you talk about MVP. So MVP stands for meditation, visualization, and powerful self-talk. Yeah. So tell us a bit about that, which you talk about kind of enhances the mind and the body connection. So tell us a little bit about uh, those three. Yeah. So those, that's a great strategy that, that on, if you do your daily MVP, you'll be your daily most valuable player. And so if you're meditating, visual, visualizing, and also powerful self-talk, you're creating this, this you're enhancing that, that mind and body connection. And it's not only is it you're doing that, it's great to actually do a one minute to three minute MVP with yourself before practice, before a game, and then act, actually after practice and after a game. So it's just a, for me, it's just, it's a good strategy just to connect the mind and body. And there's another strategy that I talk about that you can utilize within the game. It's called a BBT. So it's breathe visualization and talk, which is self-talk. So, so I got that from the MVP, but that's more in the moment. Whereas the MVP is more something that you can strength, strengthen your, your mind and body outside of the game. And why would you kind of describe, you know, that the MVP could be due before or after the game, whereas the BVT is, uh, is, uh, during kind of maybe describe the difference in your opinion and why we should use the different mental skills then. So for me, I think with MVP, it's, it's more of a process where when you're getting into meditation, you're working, you know, you're working on your energy. So depending on the situation, when I'm working with somebody on an MVP, I like to either work their energy down to their feet or work their energy from their feet up. So when we get into that process, that can be that can be a minute or two or longer. Mm-hmm. And then we get into visualizing. So depending on what we're working on and what they want to visualize, then I'm helping them, I'm guiding them through that visualization. 
And then, then I'm throwing in the powerful self-talk. Now that's me guiding the, an MVP. Now some people will do it by themselves and I want them to do them by, by themselves, but the process just takes a little bit longer. The BVT is if you think about like a three throw, right? right? Before you actually shoot the ball, you have that moment to get into your breath, visualize it real quick, and then say that anchor statement or say that word, Good. let's go, I got this, right? Got so it. you can do that within seconds. So th to me, that's a BVT. Yeah, good. Got it. Got it. And so what are your thoughts on the type of, you know, self-talk that you find your clients finding as like powerful? Well, that's a good question because, you know, you either have uh, motivational self-talk, mm -hmm. and, right? And I don't know, I, I'd, I would say that probably most of it is motivational self-talk. Yeah. People that are, are saying, let's go. I got this. I'm a champion. You know, I've worked my butt off for this moment, you know, so... And then there's also the instructional piece. You know, I think the instructional self-talk helps uh, and it does for sure. But I, I see a lot of the, my younger athletes, they kind of, they gravitate more to the motivational. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. And um, sometimes I find like, especially the younger athletes I work with, like to, you know, maybe use an I am statement or I will or something like that, you know, just to, kinda, to, to remind themselves who they are. Because sometimes we can forget or particularly in the moment you know, we need to tell ourselves some powerful things. So Grant, I also know that you work with like executives in transition. So tell us a bit about how you see, well, maybe just tell us first, like a little bit more about that work. And then we can kind of dive into some of the mental skills that you think are important for that area. Yeah. So I work with about 15 to 16 new executives every month. Okay. And it's, it's actually, a, it's a two-day program. It's usually on the first and second Thursday of every month. And so I work with the group on the front end. Mm. So basically what I'm doing is I'm working with, with executives that are going to get into transition or have been in their transition or actually have been actually out of a job for a long time. Okay. And so, but basically my job there is just to help them getting to get them out of their own way. Mm. You know, I think when we, when, when we spend a lot of time with ourselves, especially, you know, you've got these high powered executives that they go to work every day, they've got an identity, they got a purpose. And then, you know, and depending on their situation, they might have, you know, you family and, and, and houses and assets and all these things that they got to like pay. Right. And so they're at home by themselves, man, that hamster can go really fast in your mind, Absolutely. you know, and create a lot of energy and, and, and a lot of negative self-talk. So I teach them again, a lot of it's getting into the breath, having um, how to talk to their thoughts and not listening to them and get in the effect of their thoughts. Um, so it's a lot of mindfulness work that I'm doing with them. Yeah. Well, and I could imagine that that's a really difficult time, right? When you got a lot of pressure and you maybe don't know what the next job is or how you're going to pay your bills. So I could see that kind of what you're talking about can relate to anybody who's feeling stressed. So get into their breath and then talk to their thoughts, not listen. Tell us a bit about how you might do that, especially with kind of executives. Well, you know, to be honest with you, it's, I look at executives, uh, there's no difference from actually an athlete or mm -hmm. a coach yeah. or a surgeon. I mean, we're, the only thing that's different is the environment itself, but what we're dealing with is thoughts and emotions. Mm -hmm. And so it's just empowering them. Like what you said about uh, affirmations. I love, I am, I am statements and I will, and I can, and I get them to actually write that down. Like tons of them. Cause I want them to get, I want them to get used to that inventory of words so they can access it and mm -hmm. connect with it. 
I yeah. also think too that um, I'm allowing them to create opportunities to reframe. And a lot of the times I ask the question during transition, can this be a fun time? Ah, right. Does it have to be like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, and have all this stress. And, and if there is, if there is pressure, how can we actually look at pressure as, as a privilege? Right. How can we actually, you know, I get to do this. Right. So it's getting them to reframe it. Yeah. And that's kind of like your, your, what we were talking earlier about in the moment, how it can be really difficult, <laughs> you know, but, um, but you know, afterwards means a little bit easier to see the opportunity, but it's in the moment where I think the really tough work needs to be done. Right. Um, and I know in your book, you talk about uh, like turning crisis into opportunity. What yeah. are the ways that we might be able to do that as an athlete or performer or executive? You know, I can, I can share a story um, that happened to me like right before I left my, my professional life in the workplace. And, um, and I think this is real because what happens, I think when you think about crisis, especially when you lose somebody within your family, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's devastating. And so I worked with, um, you know, I was working for a, a global company, $8 billion in value. Uh, it was a, a great opportunity for me. But when I started that company or started my territory, I had zero dollars. Like, and after seven and a half years, I built it up to about 20 million annual. And so when I was leaving, I was transitioning my, my, my territory to this woman who'd been with the company for a year and a half, been in the industry for a few years. She was awesome. She was great. Um, what was unfortunate is that probably about 10 days after I left the company and transitioned my last, my last client to her, she actually got really ill and she had one of the, um, one of the fatal flus out there. And so she uh, felt sick, went to the hospital that night, and, uh, and then within an hour, she was in a coma. Within a few days, uh, her organs started to shut down. She started getting gangrene, and it was just, uh, and then a few more days after that, she passed. And it was just, it was devastating to the family and everybody at the, at the workplace. But her brother-in-law had been working for our company for six months and had been in the industry for 17 years. So he... He knew what, how to do the job, but he just—he was still understanding the, the processes, the culture, his clients. So what happened for him was, obviously, this is a crisis for everyone, but for him, he, not only did he lose a family member and a sister-in-law, but his wife's going through it. Um, he's sitting there having a, like, he's having a hard time putting his mind around this because it happened so fast. Absolutely. And so when I left, he called me and said, hey, uh, not only is the company... Uh, wanted me to step up. They understand that I have to mourn, but I'm taking over your accounts. I'm taking over my sister-in-law's accounts. And they also want me to lead because there's some other people that want to leave and they just don't want things to fall apart. And he goes, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So mm -hmm. when he said that to me, I was like, you've been doing this for almost two decades. Right. And I know this is a huge, huge like crisis. But I had to talk to him. I said, well, you have, you have options, right? You can go and tell them, like, hey, guess what? I got to go mourn and I got to be with this. You have that decision. Or you can actually step up, do the hard thing, and actually see this as an opportunity that people around you, if they see you digging your heels in and showing your mental toughness and your grit and your resiliency and, and all that, people are going to get behind you and you're going to create so much more opportunity within the company. And I think your sister-in-law is going to look down at you and is going to be smiling if you actually do it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, I think she's still going to love you anyways. So yeah. it was that moment. And like, it's crazy because now he's, he's thriving. He, he actually had some couple hard days. He would call me 
Um, but now he's doing really good. So I had him again, looking at something, a crisis, a crisis and look at it as an opportunity, Absolutely. even when it was tough. Yeah, that's a good example. And there's another example that I really liked in the book that I um, hadn't read about before. And that was the story about Michael Jordan and his mental toughness. So tell us about that story, because it's a good one. <laughs> well, there's, uh, there's a few of um, the ones of Michael Jordan with his mental toughness. Um, was it the one with, with George Mumford? Um, no, I think it was the one with like, um, towards the end of his career with uh, Coach Collins and how he didn't have a very good game, yeah. but then the way he rebounded from that game made, like, I think he only scored eight points, but then the way he rebounded was, you know, I, I don't know, scored like 98 points the next two games. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically in short, when he was on an airplane, when they, when they pulled him out, actually, they pulled him out of a game and he was, you know, obviously in the moment, him being the competitor that he is, he was just like, he sat next to him and he goes to the head coach and said, do you not believe in me? And he's like, no, it's just that, you know, you're, we want to pull back, be mindful of your minutes. And, you know, you know, you're getting older in age. And he was just like, I'll tell you when I'm not ready. You, you just, yeah, you just trust me. I don't care how old I am. You just trust me. I, I will do my job. And then, then those two games happened right after that, and he lit it up. And it's just, you know, I love Michael Jordan. Um, he's one of my favorite athletes. Um, when you talk about, like, grit and, and dealing with the failure and, and failing, I mean, that guy's failed so much. And, having, and I love his story of being cut in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, some people, when they get cut in high school, they're just done. They just move on from the sport. And look at him. He's just true greatness because he's failed so much. Yeah, I think his opportunity when he what didn't score very much, right? I think I think you talked about in the book how it was like the game of eight like broke a streak of I don't yeah. know so many different games in a row where he scored a lot, uh, but he definitely turned the difficulty into an opportunity or the crisis into the opportunity. Awesome, Grant. Is there anything else you want to make sure that you know we connect about today or that you share with the audience? You know, something I think it's, um, I, it's kind of a personal, not a personal thing, but it's personal to me, but I always leave this message is for everyone, no matter where you're at in life, uh, step up, be vulnerable, show up and play a big game. Like, and understand what that is. Like, whatever you want, the things that I've been doing in the last five years have been incredible because I've been playing a big game. I spent almost two decades not playing a very narrow game. And so I just encourage everyone to look at, you know, their goals and look at their aspirations and things that they want to do and just and go do it and play a big game. Ah, love it. So your book, The Next One Up Mindset, um, tell us a little bit about where we can find that. And then you have a podcast called 90% Mental Podcast. So tell us yes. a little bit about that. For sure. So you can um, buy my book uh, at Amazon, also barnesandnoble.com. You can also buy it on uh, on my website, which is gamefaceperformance.com. You can also find my podcast, 90% Mental, on my website and in pretty much any other any uh, podcast platform out there. And, uh, and if you want to follow me on social media, uh, on my IG and Twitter account, their same handle, which is GFP Mindset, stands for Game Face Performance. So that's GFP Mindset. If you want to follow me on Game Fit or on Facebook, that is Game Face Performance. And then if you want to link in with me, just can find me as Grant Parr. Ah, I love it. So we'd love to hear what you thought about this podcast today. You can head over to all those social media channels, uh, connect with uh, Grant over there, like JFP Mindset. I'm at mentally underscore 
strong on Twitter and Instagram is just myself, Cindra Kampoff. So thanks so much, Grant, for joining us today. I really am grateful that you're here to talk about the mental game with us. Thank you so much. It was fun. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to High Performance Mindset. If you like today's podcast, make a comment, share it with a friend, and join the conversation on Twitter at mentally underscore strong. For more inspiration and to receive Syndra's free weekly videos, check out drsyndra.com.